Welcome to the Rally the Valley podcast presented by Town Place Suites by Marriott. I'm your host, Jonah Goldberg, and this week we've got a roundtable. We're joined by Rachel Yu. She's a women's golf student athlete and the president of the UTRGV Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And Wes Knott, he's the head coach of the UTRGV women's tennis team. Thank you both for joining us. Nice to be here. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month as established by the United States government in 1992. Now that was an expansion of a 1978 joint resolution in Congress that created what was known as Asian slash Pacific American Heritage Week, which was actually a 10 day commemoration. So what does Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month mean to you? Rachel, let's start with you. Honestly, the term really confused me because I only heard about it two years ago. For me, I'm still trying to orient myself to how it will have meaning for me. I didn't really hear about it for myself until recently. Because of everything that's been going on recently, probably has helped to bring a light to the fact that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Because you're right. I hadn't heard about it before this year either. And I feel terrible that I'd never known about it. Coach Knott, what does this month mean to you? Yeah, like Rachel, it's a new term for me. It's exciting to know that there's a space out there for us. And it's a great time to just celebrate who we are and the good stuff culturally that we bring to the table. And I know it's a really diverse group, Pacific Islanders with Chinese, Japanese, Indian, Thai people. It's just a wide, wide range. And I think that's what's exciting about technology now and social media is that we can learn about each other and see culture and just try to see through education. You could be more tolerant of each other's differences. So I think it's great to embrace each other's cultures and learn a little bit more. So let's learn more about your cultures, where you each descended from and or from originally. I am a Chinese American. My parents are Chinese. My dad was born in Hong Kong and he moved over when he was two. So he's kind of like first gen. And then my mom's parents had moved over from China. And so she's a first generation as well. My mother is from the Marshall Islands and she grew up basically a side island from the mainland. And it's about a six hour boat ride. If you just take a 15 mile an hour little dinghy, it'll probably take you six hours. I've done it before a few years ago. That's where my mom's from. It's called Millie Atoll in the Marshall Islands. There's no electricity. They go fishing for their food. She had 12 brothers and sisters. So it's kind of subsistence living. My dad met her through the Peace Corps. I also grew up on a separate island called Ponape in Micronesia, just south of Guam in Saipan near the equator. And that was a magical time for me. And I grew up interacting with all the islanders. That's how I picked up sports. And I was playing soccer in the rain. And I just wanted to fit in with all the other kids. So I'd take off my shoes. They didn't have shoes. So play barefoot soccer, translated to tennis because my parents loved to play with expats on the island and then a mixture of some islanders and it would just be barbecue and just trying to mix in. And I think that's the biggest thing it taught me growing up in the islands was just, I felt like I was fortunate to have stuff and many of the people around me just did not have stuff, but they were happy. For me, I just wanted to fit in and try to be empathetic to where they're coming from. Coach, according to an NCAA demographic survey, done about a year ago, there were only 20 head coaches in all of NCAA Division I across all sports who were descendant of or have a heritage of either Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. You're one of those 20. What was that journey like for you? If someone asks me, where are you from, West? I, it, that's a hard thing for me to pinpoint because I've 
been to so many places, lived in different geographic areas and traveled a lot. So I've never felt like I belong to any one sort of people, even though I'm a Pacific Islander. Once I got old enough to be aware, I was just playing tennis and I was chasing the tennis ball all over the place and just mixing with a bunch of different cultures. So on one hand, I feel like a mutt to some degree. And it's funny that you say there's only 20 or so, because that's kind of how I feel. I feel like I'm in the 1% of 1% out there. There's not that many Marshallese in the world. I think there's probably less than 100,000. I never really felt like I belonged anywhere specifically. And that's always been the challenge for me is just how to assimilate. Well, but I think that's also gave me an edge in coaching just because I grew up in so many different places and our team is predominantly foreign right now. Just having that ability to learn about their culture and just trying to identify and find a common ground. I think that's something that's been really healthy for me and something I've just picked up learning how to communicate with a bunch of different people. Rachel, the numbers aren't much different when you look at Asian American student athletes, about 2% of all student athletes at Division One All Sports across the board. What's your journey been like to becoming a Division One student athlete? Coming here to this university, I know I stood out on campus just walking about, and I knew that there was very few Asians in our athletic department. So when we did find one, we were like, we're hanging out for the next couple of days. You might be international. You might not consider me a real Asian, but there's still some dynamic of where we kind of understand a little bit where your perspective might come from or mine, even though that's not to say that all the cultures are the same. The people who I ran into, our cultures did kind of align a little bit. It feels good to be a student athlete and someone who can represent Asians in a way, being that people don't consider Asians as athletes. I'm sure this last year, more than a year at this point, has been difficult. Here we are, we want to celebrate your heritage. Your community has been targeted. And I want to start by saying this is nothing new. Over the year after the pandemic was declared, so exactly one calendar year, research by Russell Young, PhD, Aggie, Yellow Horse, PhD, Tara Popovich, and Richard Lean found that there were 3,795 reported anti-Asian incidents. And that's just reported. So probably more. And then just a couple of days after that one-year marker, we had the Atlanta shootings. And there's been plenty more reported since then. Are you okay? I was very concerned because I have family who lives in some of these areas. During that time, it was super concerning because we were in the middle of season and it was a super busy time for me. And I know that even when COVID was still just in China, I had really bad allergies again. If I sneeze wrong, someone's going to make the thing of, oh, you have COVID. Simply because I'm Asian and you can tell that I'm Asian. Even from that perspective, I was mentally preparing myself for people to say something. And then when there was a spike, I have a teammate who is adopted from China. And I was kind of worried for us to go to the store, knowing that there's that sentiment. And seeing it online, it just kind of seemed to be a lot out of nowhere. There was so much more violence coming very suddenly. I was concerned for a good little bit. It's definitely been an interesting experience. Have you ever experienced, either of you, any kind of discrimination against yourself that you would like to share? Social media is a very interesting place. And so there would be times where I would come across a racist joke or a racist sentiment. And especially in the comments, it would be very much racism against Asians is not real. Almost having to defend my minority-ness is what I've experienced more than not. I haven't had anything 
too extreme happen in my life and nothing I can really point to, but certainly I'm aware of it. And I'm always trying to especially look out for Asian women, especially of lower economic means. I just feel like this is an area where I'm really passionate about differences and pay gap, even just in the coaching field. I'm hyper aware of these things. I've helped a lot of my friends just bat for themselves because I think the men are extremely competitive. And then when you add on top minority and just people of color or a certain type of background. It's just cultural differences too. I think Asians grow up in a sense, trying to respect their elders, respect power, be humble, don't make eye contact. These are actually positive things. And that's how I grew up. It is tough to break through it. My parents didn't play high level sports. They didn't know anything about where to take technique or who are good coaches or things like that. There's a huge learning curve there. It's helped me in coaching, just becoming tougher and overcoming those setbacks for the next generation, at least for my own kids. I feel like I have a huge information advantage of trying to navigate all these tricky situations, whether it comes to making better decisions to provide a better life for my own kids and limit the amount of mistakes. So my mom maybe talks about this stuff more because she hyper aware about her brown skin. And I grew up in a high school where I felt like an outsider just because I was the only one with brown skin. My sister and my brother have white skin and I always tease them. I'm like, Hey, you guys have it a little bit easier. I just felt different. Coach, you were just talking a little bit about culture. And a little earlier, you mentioned assimilating. People sometimes assimilate into American culture. That shows itself in a lot of different ways. I had a college roommate of Chinese descent, one of my best friends. His name is Tian Cheng, but he went by Richard. And I know that's just one example. What have you all seen in that kind of cultural assimilation? And do you think that that's a problem? Is that something that needs to change? What do we do about that? I think that's what makes America a tricky country to manage because it's so big geographically and we've got so many different types of people. We're doing a pretty good job, but obviously we could do a lot, lot better. I keep coming back to the education piece. We're in the athletic domain here. Just coaching Asians or being around Asian athletes growing up, it was interesting because I know these parents, they know hard work. And so let's just outwork the competition. But as they get older, they have to assimilate into American culture, get outside of their bubble, go to college or go to a high school. That's the tough adjustment right there. Learning to interact with all different kinds of cultures. This is the most important thing is just learning how to be social, getting along with each other and not needing to be right, but just try to get it right. Be a good listener. My grandparents, they didn't teach my mom Chinese specifically for the reason of trying to assimilate. They didn't want them to have an accent because my grandmother had faced discrimination because of her accent and because of her speaking a different language. So she was very, very insistent on them speaking English at home. So she can understand Cantonese, but she can't speak it. And as someone who wants to become more reconnected with my culture and become more reconnected with my family in that way, it's really hard to then learn Chinese if your parents don't speak it. Being willing to listen and then transitioning that to being more understanding of why the culture might be a certain way, respecting your elders and being obedient. And what exactly does hard work mean? I know that for my family, it's you have to show hard work and you have to do well because you're a representation of this family. You're a representative. So when you do something, it reflects not just you, but literally your entire family. And just knowing what that might entail. My background, when I share that with you, being more accepting to the idea of my narrative still is something that is significant, not just to me, but my family. And from that standpoint, 
not validate, but understand that our experience is our experience. And when we talk about this conversation of assimilation for all cultures and all minorities, I do think that it's that right balance of being able to feel accepted for what makes you different while still allowing you the opportunities that we still consider America to have. Rachel, I know during your time here on campus, you've been active with the AAPI community. Can you tell us a little bit about your activities? I was a part of FSA, the Filipino Student Association, and I am not Filipino, but it was definitely something that was really fun for me. And not everyone in the group is Filipino either. That's like their thing. You don't have to be Filipino to be part of FSA. But it was really interesting to be a part of that group because I did learn about Filipino culture and I did see where it kind of aligned with mine. And that was a really comforting feeling to have, being that there's not a whole lot of Asians in the Valley, but there is a pretty good Filipino community in the Valley. So just being able to have discussions and shared experiences That was a really fun experience, especially being that I haven't lived in places in which you could be around other Asian people that often. So what are our next steps? What do we do as we try to make your experience better and experience for anybody of AAPI heritage better? I think still just having visibility, it's hard. There's a lot of things that are going on in the world right now. India is suffering a lot right now with their COVID situation. And so it's not one thing, it's always the next. But in the opportunities that we have to listen to shared experiences or to people sharing their experiences, being willing to hear the other side. Even now, people with the whole model minority myth keep saying, Racism against Asians isn't that real. It's not that bad. Well, just because it's not the same as what another minority might experience doesn't mean that it's still not discrimination. Even at work, they already treat me as lesser of a person because I'm a woman and they think I'm going to be submissive because I'm Asian. Yeah, that's a problem. And I like to help validate your experience so we can actually acknowledge it and move forward, I think is a huge portion of this conversation, making things better for all different situations and struggles that all minorities are going through. To piggyback off what you're saying there, Rachel, just about being woman and Asian, and also just Asians in general, like in leadership roles. And I think pay is high for those top income earners, but they're also not expected to lead. They're an obedient worker near the top of the organization, but not quite at the top. And why can't they get those jobs? And I think it's just going to take time and awareness. And we got these same issues with other cultures as well. People don't think that there's Asians who don't do well academically or Asians who want to be creative and be a guitarist or an athlete or other things. And sometimes that stuff is frowned upon in Asian culture or families. Also, those females, like I said, they get overlooked. Well, we could pay them a lower salary because they'll just accept it. They're submissive and they're okay with it, but it's not okay. And I think it's a responsibility for people who are in power to do the right thing because these people are powerless. So that's where the education piece comes in. Just being a coach, I see how much pressure there is for young Asian athletes coming up because some parents just won't allow their kids to play sports or allow them to dream of becoming Rafael Nadal or even maybe Yao Ming. It's okay to be creative and it might be different and it might not generate an income. That's all right. Well, Rachel, you're about to graduate. So what's next for Rachel Yu? There's a possibility I might be back to a master's. If not, try to get my PGA certification so then I can teach golf. 
and then a couple years down the road, I can play. That's what I might be looking at in the future. I'm happy to report that this year, Steven Yun was the first Asian American nominee for Best Actor at the Oscars. Now we just need someone to win the award. But right now, I want to give our awards to our guests. UTRGV Women's Golfer and Student Athlete Advisory Committee President Rachel Yu, Women's Tennis Head Coach Wes Knott, thank you so much for your time, your courage, and your insight. Thank you. Thank you, Jonah. This has been the Rally of the Valley podcast presented by Town Place Suites by Marriott. To check out archived episodes, visit goutrgv.com slash podcasts.